Hi, I'm Shane. And I'm Ernie. And welcome to The Naked Economy. Ernie, quickly, and I mean very quickly, what is The Naked Economy? Man, I was so amped about the episode we did last week uh, in the first one where we introduced people to a coffee shop that is about delivering great coffee and a great experience. But when we digged a little bit deeper and we went and we checked behind the scenes, this coffee shop is actually about doing so much more and really doing positive things in the lives of the, the people that work there, their families, the communities. And, and it's actually about discovering how a business really has nothing to hide. And in this episode last week, we discovered how a business can simultaneously deliver a great product that is world-class quality, but at the same time, do it in a way that really does the right thing and do it in a way that recognizes their responsibility in terms of sincerely having a a good impact on the lives of real people. Cool. Well, I'm here today with a candidate for the Naked Economy for your consideration. My standards are high, so let's evaluate this candidate you have and decide whether we can include it in the Naked Economy. I guess a part of this process is really about kind of understanding what the Naked Economy is as well. Because we don't, I mean, unless you've got a really hard and fast idea, we kind of are trying to build this concept as we go. So the Whippet was really about transparency and like having nothing to hide. I wonder if we can like sort of broaden our horizons a little bit with uh, with my pitch to you today. Well, you are very mysterious and so you've kept me in the dark. So tell me about this business. Well, let's uh, right. let's hear what they're about. Okay, so let me let's backtrack a little bit. A few years ago I'd heard I think on the radio or I'd read this somewhere, but spaza shops in South Africa, if they had to work together, would have more buying power than macro, which is, which is staggering. Um, now I will be honest. I wasn't able to find the source of that. <laughs> It's that a, statistic. It's a, but, but let's go with it. Let's say it's but true. I, but I think that, uh, but I think that it, it, it could hold up when you, you know, if you drive through Alex and you see like how many spaza shops, they kind of just lie on the streets. They're these tiny little businesses that the communities rely on. And, um, and uh, there are hundreds, there are thousands of these guys, you know. So I was really intrigued when I found out about Vileka. This is an app these guys have built that, uh, is really built for spaza shop owners to make their lives easier and to help them get more value out of their small business. So I went and spent a little bit of time with Brian. He's one of the owners of Vileka. He spoke to me a little bit about his journey and his past and the experiences that he's had that led him to this point. And uh, yeah, I think they're a pretty good match for the naked economy. So tell me what you think. I went to med school, right? I was at Stellenbosch, but I had to drop out in my third year. Now, my dad had a couple of businesses within the township, and then those businesses failed, so I couldn't pay fees anymore. So, obviously, with dropping out now, I had to be like, what am I going to do? And since I was from Cape Town, I was in Cape Town, I decided the land of opportunity is Joburg. Um, and I had a friend, I was 
studying with, um, who's a doctor now. He had a friend of his who was in Joburg who had um, a business already. He never went to varsity. He just went straight to into business. So he linked me up with him. I came here and I was like, okay, so what um, do, do I do? I've been studying medicine my whole life. This is where I thought my like my life was going to be, but now I have to carve and make a living some like somehow. And what else do I know? And because my dad has been running a couple of businesses, how do I then maybe try and find out or try and help those businesses in a way to fail? And this is like obviously sub to not fail, sorry. And this is obviously now subconsciously that's what I was I was thinking. But in my head, I was try, just trying to make a living. So that's Brian. Brian was in his third year of med school in Stellenbosch, and uh, when he started getting notices, you know, the tuition fees were not were not being paid. And Brian's dad owned uh, businesses in the township, and they hit a rough patch, and he was forced to drop out of school. So he left Stellenbosch, he moved up here to Joburg, as he says, the, the land of opportunity to try and make it. And it's kind of interesting the space that he finds himself in um, because what he did is he opened a little like activations company and he would go into townships, help brands kind of connect with people in the townships and they would do these little activations at spaza shops and spaza shops are these like tiny little community centers in a way and he would use these as these little touch points for brands to connect with people. So Shane, we need to have the conversation in terms of understanding the makeup of the South African economy and the fact that there's a there's a very big informal economy that makes up a significant part of what serves many South Africans. I mean, you're going to explain this app to me in a, in a second, I presume, but can we take one step back and just, what is the definition of a spaza shop? Yeah, so I mean, spaza shops, I don't know what the definition is, but they are they are kind of like... The way we grew up was, you know, if you needed bread or milk, you would go to a cafe. It was kind of a more of a, it was more of an actual shop, like internationally what they would call a convenience store. Like Spicer shops are kind of like very low tech convenience stores and they're very, they're, they're varying levels of Spicer shops. So you've got someone that uh, would have a little lease on a premises and, uh, and then you've got someone who's converted their garage to a Spicer shop and then you've got someone that's just, opens a opens a window and so like sells from their living room you know so it's like it's really what it is and and you see a lot of this in South Africa is people kind of seeing a small opportunity and addressing that like in whatever way they can you know and that's and that's kind of what spaza shops are is filling this need within a community for a convenience store with the very limited resources that someone might have so um, where we then started out, we had a creative agency called I'm Emerge. So I started, I started out with my own little small company where I was doing events or brand activations for brands. But then I was taking this brand activations into the townships. So if a brand came through, they had a product that they were trying to launch, I was taking that into the township because I saw that I didn't really like the way that um, brands were communicating with the township space. So I thought, okay, let me just try in, in a way to bring this here so that, because th- these are your consumers at the end of the day. So let them, you know, talk to them in a way, show them your products um, so that they don't necessarily have to go into a mall and, and, and meet up with activators there to know your product and then take it back into the township. Why not speak to them where they are? So I, st- I started this company, I threw a, a couple of 
of, of events, but I would link the events with the brand. And then I realized that um, when I met my business partner at the time, he was working for um, Prime Media and he was coming up with ideas to take brands into the township. So it was just um, a proper marriage then. So a mutual friend introduced us to say, this guy can help you with that. And we then just sat down and thought, okay, this is you working, I've got a company, let's try and do something together. And we then eventually decided to just form a company ourselves. And this company was doing exactly that, taking brand and doing brand activations into the townships. And we were doing these brand activations mostly with the people that sell the products who are the sponsorship owners. But we then realized that after we do a brand activation or a product launch, we come back a month later or the shop owner calls us and says, but where do I get this product? You see, firstly, where do I get the product? Um, secondly, there's a whole lot of demand for it and I, and I don't know anything. You guys came and people are, are now asking me for it. And um, not only that, we come back in a month or two and the shop is closed. So we were now... We now ran out of places in a way to do this brand activation. So Brian was doing these activations for little companies and some big companies. And along the way, almost without knowing it, he was getting to know the Spaza shop economy in a way that even having grown up around Spaza shops and his dad owned a Spaza shop. And, but back then as a kid, it, it was just like, oh, that's dad's job. You know, and it's sort of when he had to drop out of school, it kind of affected him, but, but only really when he started like spending time around these guys and watching how they work and watching how they do business, did he start to really understand like this complex little ecosystem that exists around every spaza shop in a community. And it, it's really interesting because there's, there's such like tiny little behavioral moments that affect a spaza shop's business. So one example he gave me was, if you leave home to get like milk, bread and bananas and you go to a spaza shop and they've got milk and bread but they don't have bananas, you're not going to buy your milk and bread and then go somewhere else for your bananas. You're going to like go to the next place and hopefully they've got all three items. You know, so that first person by not having bananas has lost out on a, on a sale of milk and bread. Similarly, like parents will send their kids to a spaza shop and say, Get us a loaf of bread and with the change, you can get your sweets. So the kid would go into a spaza shop and the first thing they ask is, do you have the sweets that I like? And if they don't have the sweets that, I, that the kid likes, well, he's going to the next guy. And you're not going to sell bread. And you're not going to sell the bread, you know. So there's like there's these very like tiny little moments that can make a, a big impact in that person's trade for the day. And, and these are all based around having stock. You know, it's because how these guys operate is they would, they, they go and buy their stock from a cash and carry place or from macro and then they come back and they sell it. But while they're out, their shop's closed for three hours. So they've missed out on three hours worth of trading. So there's a lot around this issue of having stock, having the right stock. How do you get your stock that um, started to force Brian into this way of thinking like, wow, there's a lot of room for improvement in terms of how these guys do business. And, and I suppose it's about price as well. I mean, obviously, because if you buy something at the macro price, then you need to sell it at even more. And that's, well, that's the thing, you know, I mean, 
together spaza shops around the country are probably selling like millions of loaves of bread every day and millions of like packets of um maize meal or whatever it is but they're all just buying them like 10 at a time you know there's no bulk buying power um so so that's it the profit margin is very very small so Brian like started to formulate this idea and this kind of understanding of the the economy around Espaza's shop and he started to really empathize with the shop owners in a way that he hadn't even done as a kid as the son of a Espaza shop owner um and this became really clear to me when I said after the interview with him I said hey do you, can we go can you take me to Espaza's shop like I'd love to meet one of these guys and chat to them and he said you know what we actually don't like to do that because if if we go to interview someone like a whole bunch of kids from the neighborhood will like crowd around and um and we'll be using up time that he now cannot make sales you know sure that's and, scary hey and, and, every and, minute and it, counts that's it every minute counts you know and it just it just spoke to like Brian's empathy for these guys and the fact that he's like really formulated this like this full view of the challenges that they face. So this business um, that he's built is not just some random piece of tech that he came up with. He really understands that. That's it. That he world. understands the needs to like such a, a specific degree that he's able to craft something um, that works for them. We built um, this platform or this business basically to, to combat those challenges. So firstly, we realized that the reason why the guy are essentially closing down is because they don't have access to stock at reasonable prices. So stock comes from the manufacturer, usually to a wholesaler, and then from the wholesaler they go and buy from there. So there's already markups put in there and it kills their margin at the end. And then they have to now try and and be competitive, firstly. and also, given the fact that when they are running the shops, they've got limited uh, type of space that they can keep stock in. So you can only buy so much stock. So the, the first thing that we realized was, one, the fact that they, they, they don't have access to stock. And that's the cornerstone of, of that. Because if you don't have something or if you don't have stock, no one is going to buy. We developed our, our first platform and launched it um, last year. So our first Vuliga version one app, we launched it and no one was using it. (laughs) We were like, what? (laughs) What's happening? Like we came here with the best solution. There's no way. Why are you using, why are you not using this? And uh, given the fact that, I mean, there is that trust and we have a community that we're working with and we have the youth marketers. We like guys. Can you go and find out why people are not using this app? Because now we're sitting there and we're like, okay, downloads at the launch. There was a whole lot of downloads. We had a Wi-Fi network. People downloaded, but people are not using it. And what we found from there was quite humbling. I mean, um, one, they just told us that this is too complicated. When I go into a wholesaler, I get a catalog with a picture and a price. And that's what I want to be able to do. So we had created a solution that had that had a, sh- a shopping cart, that had um, promotions that would come up, that had some sort of quick tips for the shop owners to say, um, this is how you calculate your, your profit. This is how... So we created a solution in our heads that we thought was a solution for them, which is not what a solution for them was. 
So we then had to go go back to the drawing board. So Vuleka found a real problem within the community. Coming up next, what did they do to solve it? They had to sort of work out how do they gain people's trust. And he says that, you know, that one of the things that happens is once people sign up, they make a point of coming to visit the office just to make sure that it's like a real thing. And if they don't get their stock on time, they can come and fetch it from the office. You know, it's very basic stuff. But this issue of trust became a real barrier to them. And the way they went about sort of working around that is – well, to involve more of the community. So they've got youth marketers. These are guys that like visit the spaza shops and introduce them to the product and sort of talk them through it. And these are people from the community. And another thing they did is they're using like local taxi drivers in their downtime to be the delivery guys. What starts happening is like the more people in the communities that they empower, the more sort of the more visible, the more trust is built around their platform and the more they can convince people, um, spaza shop owners to use it. But I mean, they even get that it's a long-term thing. You know, it's like quite a new thing for people to get their heads around and, and word of mouth will be a, a big thing for them. When a community has been burnt, uh, the only way in which they can truly embrace something new is if a few people take the risk and start using the thing and then, uh, and and then when it actually works for them, they start telling people about it, and that sincere word of mouth just starts gathering momentum. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, they're about to launch version two, so they've taken everybody's notes and everyone's feedback, and they've simplified it a lot. But what they've also done is added sort of incentives for the community. So the more you support your local Vuleka Spaza shop, uh, the more like discounts you get as a consumer and, and so they, they're building that loyalty and, um, and, and yeah, like loyalty becomes a really important thing here because you're loyal to your spaza shop. They need to become loyal to Vileka as like their supplier. And as a community, kind of that's where that trust and that, and, and that, cool. and that comes from. In terms of version two being launched, just talk me through one or two of the basics in terms of what this means for the person that uses the app and and how the business is set up in the background in terms of the actual supplying of stock, the sourcing of it. Do the people that run the Vuleka app, if if an order is made, is the order made directly with the, the supplier and do they then supply it to the, the person that's ordered it or does it actually go via the Vuleka people? No, Vuleka sort of collates all the orders. And they, um, they compile it and then they use that to sort of negotiate discounts. Okay. And, and that's their kind of business model is they'll negotiate a discount and they'll take sort of a portion of that as their profit. Okay. Um, and the store know. owners, do enough of them have sort of the, the smartphone that's necessary to, to run this app? I mean, they've built it so that you don't really need a smartphone. Like you could do it very simply on a, cheap feature phone okay um so it's it is built with that in mind you know it's like the part of this the sales pitch could never be like this is the uber uber <laughs> for spaza shops you know it's got to be it's got to be w- really really simple like use this app and you can uh save time you know time is money to them so mm. you can save time have things delivered straight to you and save money because we're going to get you discounts and all this stuff 
the other thing they realize is a lot of these guys are unbanked. So there's opportunities that they're missing in terms of credit. So once you've been on Vuleka for a period of time, you build up a bit of a history. And if you're spending, say, 2,000 rand a week, they will understand that, okay, well, they can like front you 2,000 rands worth of goods and um, they know that you're good for it. You know, so they're introducing them to this thing that uh, we are all very dependent on, which is credit, you mm. know. And so that using that as a tool to grow their business is also uh, is also valuable to them. That's really cool. I mean, because you're going to go through times where you have the cash to to buy the stock up front, but I mean, if you want to run a business, and some there's going to be days when you don't have that that cash up front, and so. You know, especially when we're talking about a business that is like the margin for error, the margin for like not having stock mm. and getting through it is very, very low. They've got to, you know, they, and it's about survival. You get stock, you sell it, you earn your money and you're able to make a living. You know, if you don't have stock, your business might just close down. You might not make it through that week. You know, so that's why this issue of having stock and getting the right stock is really key. And, and this is where Vuleka feels like they are, they are solving a real problem. So I, I chatted to, to Brian also a little bit about purpose because to me, what's important about the naked economy is that this is, we're not, a, we're not profiling charities. You know, we're profiling businesses that have uncovered an opportunity, um, in within a community or just within the world that is about doing the right thing and having a positive spin-off, but not at the expense of a, of your business. You know, it's not like a charity as a tax write-off. You know, it's like doing good is integral to your business model. And, um, well, here's what Brian said about that. I think our, our purpose in actually even going into business is to try and, to try and make things better. So be it making things better for the consumer, be it making things better for the manufacturer. You, you see a problem or an opportunity and you come in to come solve that problem, right? And you solving that problem means that there is a beneficiary at the end of it and that beneficiary should rip uh, a reward um, out of that. So the doing good part of it essentially is um, you, yes, making money, but then at the same time you impacting as many lives as, as you can with the solution that's as simple as um, let me just try and make your process of getting goods uh, simpler or faster and cheaper at the same time. How does this like sort of broaden the definition of the naked economy? Because on the one hand, like the Whippet last week was very much about transparency and having nothing to hide. Um, whereas Vuleka feel like the story here and we need to make allowance for this in the naked economy, which is, um, businesses finding the balance between profit and people doing good, you know, and how do they marry those two ideas? Cause it can't be, if it was only about doing good, it would be a charity. If it was only about profit, then they would not be doing good. They need to hit that balance and a company like Vuleka doing good is, is sort of baked in to the business. What I love about this is where it came from, why it started. This is not an idea that came from a boardroom where some business executive thought of a way to reach a bigger market and potentially access this unbanked market and we can sell more stuff to them and just increase margin. This is a guy that, that saw his own dad running a shop like this 
and he saw those those issues. He saw those problems with the way in which his dad had to run the business. And I mean, he actually paid the price of ha- having to stop his studies in what was that, what, that you said, his second or third year, because his dad couldn't afford it anymore. And for a guy to then ultimately develop a business that solves problems for people like his dad, like that just, I just love that. I love the diversity that we're getting here. So last week we got a, we got a coffee shop. This week we we have this, this business which is about improving the informal economy and, and, and Vuleka, which really tries to help people, um, that are serving their community. I can see from the excitement in your eyes about talking about what we have planned for next week <laughs> that it's going to be uh, quite a controversial one. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it'll be interesting, that's for sure. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of The Naked Economy. Join us next time, and we will be talking about another business doing things quite differently in the world. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Special thanks to Shane for joining me in studio and helping me through this process. And finally, a big thanks to the team behind the scenes at Cliff Central. They've been awesome in helping me through this journey of telling this story. I really appreciate it, guys. Cliffcentral.com.